I'm George Sleffo. And I'm Ailee Sleffring. And welcome to the third season of The Current Podcast. The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data-driven marketing, all explained in plain English. We talk to the biggest names in digital marketing, and in this episode, we speak with Andrea Brimmer, Chief Marketing and PR Officer at Ally Financial. Andrea has been at the company for more than 14 years and is a major advocate of women's sports. She has also spearheaded the company's efforts in gaming, showing up in popular places like Nintendo's Animal Crossing. So Ally Financial made a huge splash when it rebranded itself, but can you share some context for those who might not be familiar? Yeah, absolutely. We were formerly GMAC, which was the captive finance arm of General Motors. And during the financial crisis, we were spun out of GM and really had this opportunity to come to market as an independent marketplace competitor and create a whole new model in the financial services category. And you think about when we launched, we launched the same year that the iPhone came to market. So we made this huge bet that people were going to bank in the palm of their hands. We came out completely digital, no brick and mortar, and really looked at the category and said there was this huge opportunity to solve for customer pain points and to create a better way forward in this category. And that's really what we've been about since day one. Now, I would like to transition to sports a little bit. Now, I know in 2020, Ally signed a multi-year sponsorship with MLS soccer team Charlotte FC. Why did Ally go the soccer route versus like more mainstream, like American sports, like the NBA or baseball? You know, a couple of reasons. One, we love soccer. It's the fastest growing sport in America. It is has dominance around the world in terms of popularity. And it's very young. It's very diverse. And it presents an incredible opportunity for us because it's not a crowded category. It's not a category that a lot of brands are have flooded to and that have strongholds around things like baseball and basketball. It was really an evergreen space for us to come in and really make impact against an audience that made a lot of sense for us. And so we love the idea of soccer. Certainly doesn't hurt that I played soccer my whole life and uh, played in college as well. So great alignment with a big passion point for me. So that was an extra added bonus as well. Yeah, I've played soccer myself. It's a great, great sport for women and men and growing in America for sure, like in popularity as well. Absolutely. And I I know you guys just recently made an announcement around women's sports and soccer. Can you give us a few more details on that? Yeah, we just made a huge announcement that I'm really excited about, which is a 50-50 pledge that over the course of the next five years, for every dollar we spend in men's sports media, we will endeavor to match that dollar for dollar in women's sports. And so the idea is really to ask the networks to provide the right kind of programming to give these female athletes the opportunity to be seen more often. We know that women's sports still represents less than 5% of coverage in media today, and that's just not right. And so our hope is that through this 50-50 pledge, we'll bring other brands along with us that want to make similar kinds of pledges. We'll get these athletes the opportunity to be seen, and we'll get the players an opportunity to really start to earn the kind of money that they should be making for playing professional sports. It's going to be interesting to see if other brands do follow your suit. I mean, just covering the space. 
seems like it will be. So you guys can take credit for that when it happens. Just to shift slightly, you guys also do a lot of stuff with gaming. There was a tie-in with Animal Crossing, Twitch. You guys are active there. There's a lot of brands talking about like getting into gaming. They're unsure about how to break through. It's it's a little bit of a different channel. So, you know, what's the best practice for marketers who are looking to dip their toe in gaming? Yeah, George, we've been using gamification for the last seven years. So I would say we're definitely an early adopter in the space. And the biggest lesson that I think we have learned is one, you've got to have an authentic reason to show up. So really figure out how to authentically intersect the space Two, don't be afraid to fail. You know, it's it's all about learning at this stage. And we've definitely had a lot of success, but we've had some pretty colossal failures as well. And it's only prepared us for the next effort. And three, really find ways to add value for the gamers or for the people that are interacting with your brand in that space. They'll call you out so fast if there's no value for them. And you really, really have to make sure you've got experts that are working on the development of how you enter into gamification and how you show up. And it really has to be fun for the end user. So I have to ask, you said there's also been some colossal failures. I'm, I'm very curious, like, what is one of them that stands out to you? Well, I'll tell you a colossal failure we had. You know, you could look at it as a double-edged sword, but we created an island in Animal Crossing and we did a turn-up exchange, which was using the currency of the game. And we priced our turn-up exchange too high. And as a result, people flooded our island to do an exchange on the turn-ups with Ally and it broke the game. It was a very frustrating experience for gamers that were coming in to exchange turn-ups. And it required my team literally spending 72 straight hours personally reaching out to each person in the game that we frustrated and dropping turnips in their account. We didn't have to do that, but it was the right thing to do. But there was a lot of negative social noise for those 72 hours. And then as people started to get their turnips from us and saw the effort that we made, that whole tide turned big, big time. And and it produced a lot of good sentiment about the brand. It's funny. I remember my son's a big Animal Crossing guy and I told him about it. And he was like, mom, if you had just asked, I would have told you, 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 uh, your turnips were too rich and this would have happened. So it was a great example of if we had really just taken a breath and relied on, you know, the gaming community to, to give us the right path forward, we would have found it more easily. Wow. Yeah. Don't mess with those Animal Crossing lovers. <laughs> uh-huh. I tell you. No. <laughs> Speaking about dealing with external forces, if you will, Ally competes with other banks in the finance arena, which, you know, in total sees ad spend of more than like $5 billion a year. How does Ally differentiate itself from the competition? You know, at least this has been a key issue for us because our share of voice just based on pure spend is 2% of the category. So when you're going up against Goliaths and from a spend standpoint, and you're a David, you've got to really figure out how to be differentiated. And I think our point of differentiation has come by leaning into the, into the name and the promise of the brand, which is to do it right. And we have always adopted this idea of kind of outwit, outlast and outplay. And find creative ways to get people to interact with their money. So the gamification strategy, 
what we call kind of our disruptor calendar, which is coming into the marketplace with unexpected ways to engage consumers, has been another huge way that we've done that. Big brand acts have been another way that we've done that. And that could be anything from, you know, during COVID, having the most comprehensive COVID relief package in the industry to really help our customers, all the way to, you know, fun things like we did recently during March Madness, where we recognized that wait staffs have suffered a lot the last couple of years. And we partnered with some TikTok influencers to surprise and delight wait staffs and bars and restaurants where people were in watching the, the games during March Madness and gave each of the staffs a $50,000 tip. So just really different ways to come to market. I don't think there's a lot of banks that are building islands and animal crossings, writing children's books about financial literacy, doing things like the big tip off, creating live monopoly boards across the country, hiding pennies in 10 cities across America and creating scavenger hunts. We've just really, really been different in terms of how we've thought about coming to market. And how would you say that customers have reacted to those types of marketing efforts? You know, I point to social sentiment for the brand. Our social sentiment is over 90% consistently and persistently. The category average is in the mid to low 30s. You know, social is certainly a proxy for the way that customers, you know, and consumers in general feel about your brand. So we're three times the category there. Our brand value has grown by anywhere from four to five X every single year over the course of the last seven years. So again, just, I think, incredible resonance and, you know, over 95% customer stickiness with our products. We have very low customer turnover, which again, I think just demonstrates the strength and the power of the brand. So, you know, we're doing a lot of things right. We're bringing in the the right kind of people. And and once they get into the Ally ecosystem, I think we're doing a lot of things right to keep them. You know, just a quick heads up. I was part of the wait staff that you did not tip $50,000. So just throw that in my Ally bank account. It's totally cool. You got it, George. Thank you. But let me ask you this, and I I find this super fascinating. You know, you've been with Ally for more than 14 years, going on 15 years. For those who, you know, don't operate in the finance, banking, advertising arena, like, can you give us a little bit of color? Like, what's it like operating that space and, and how that differs probably from most marketers? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I came from the advertising agency world. I spent 20 years on the agency side, and I never thought I'd come to the dark side and, and go over to be a client. And I never wanted to do financial services. I can tell you that. It just didn't interest me, but it was so differentiated. Building a brand from the ground up, I I never thought I would get an opportunity to do that. And that was so cool. And just the fact that it was digital financial services, something that the world had really never seen, was really exciting as well. And so I think that as I settled into financial services, the thing that I really liked is I realized like the three most important things in your life are your family, your health, and your money. And we all work so hard for our money. And so if you could be a brand that's in this space that really puts the customer at the center of everything that you do and really finds ways to get people to think about saving their money, growing their money, and spending their money in ways that are meaningful to them, that that was a really cool opportunity. And so that's what it's been like in this category is really recognizing the joy of money and helping people find it. And it's been 
more rewarding for me on a personal level than I ever thought it would be. Super fascinating. And, you know, when it comes to different channels or, or platforms that you guys advertise, like at least in the, in the data-driven sense, can you give us some insight about how you guys leverage data-driven advertising? Yeah, I mean, look, we as a bank, we have a lot of first-party data. As you can imagine, we see things right down to the transactional um, level. So we have a really good sense of what you're interested in, what you're thinking about. We might know even before you do that you're in market for a house or that you're thinking about starting to invest. Um, And then obviously uh, a lot in terms of third-party data as well. And so we utilize, you know, we kind of call it D2I, data to insights. And we really try and spend a lot of time getting into the granularity of the data to figure out how we can connect with consumers on an emotional level. And I think that's been a bit of a differentiator for us. We're not just using the data transactionally. We're really using data to make communications better, whether it's a digital piece of communications, whether it's a piece of content, all the way up to just a traditional linear piece of film. We are really using data to get in front of the consumer, sometimes before they even know that they're going to be in market for a product. And we're really using the data to enrich a consumer's life. So if I know that you're out there searching for information about buying a flat screen TV and a lawnmower, you might be in market for a house. And what kind of content can I serve to you that will make your home shopping experience easier? So those are the things that we've really tried to lean into the data for is to root out those insights that are really differentiated and have that reciprocity of value with the end customer. You know, something that has been continuing to work itself into the mainstream is cryptocurrency. And I would just love to learn about your guys' approach to that and just how you guys are managing this new form of currency that is just taking over. Yeah, a lot of choppiness in the marketplace on crypto right now, especially with the economic backdrop that we're in. You're seeing, especially in the whole crypto space, some some pretty you know big devaluations of crypto. We have not yet started to offer customers the ability to have cryptocurrency on our platforms. I think that we're still in the phase of let's wait and see where it's going to go. Economic stress right now is really a good thing in terms of understanding how the currency is going to work long term and its true viability. And I think right now we're feeling pretty good about the fact that there's some incredible learnings that are going to happen as we're in a very high rate of inflation right now and and really seeing how consumers are trying to transact through it. So we're still in wait, watch, learn mode, and we'll enter into it when the timing is right for us. I know I'll get a lot of hate for this, including (laughs) from my brother, who's he, he's really big on crypto, but I, I call it magic internet money. That's my <laughs> nickname for it. Let me ask you this. You guys do some stuff like in-house with marketing. You guys also work with an agency, but can you tell me a little bit about your like in-house marketing efforts? Yeah, we've in-housed all our digital planning and buying. We've in-housed all of our content uh, development creation and distribution. And we have also really begun to in-house a lot of our media kind of interaction in terms of planning and and really interaction with key media partners so that we can control a lot of our own destiny. We've in-housed most of our social work as well, you know, and and really just trying to build out core competencies around data and analytics 
and some of these new battlegrounds. I, coming from the agency space, feel compelled to say I'm a big, big, big believer in the agency model. I think that agencies add a lot of value. I think that the agencies that are going to win are the ones that are figuring out how to evolve and enable clients around core competencies, but also are adding value to kind of brand strategies and creativity. So I'm a big fan of the agency model. But that said, I think that we, as an example, a lot of brands have to control their own destiny in spaces that are getting more regulated, privacy laws, new consumer demands, and just being able to move at the speed of the consumer and the speed of the market. And that's really why we brought a lot of these things in-house. And that's it for this season of The Current. Stay tuned for next season out later this year. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Loving Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikich, Kat Vesey, Melinda Zurich, and Christine Gallagher. And remember, you've got to have an authentic reason to show up. So really figure out how to authentically intersect the space to don't be afraid to fail. It's all about learning at this stage. And three, really find ways to add value. I'm George. And I'm Elise. And we'll see you next season.